Hey, it's Ben here. And in addition to this podcast, I also teach Microsoft Excel online. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access to the course. Stay tuned after the episode for a little bit more information as to why it's so important to improve your Excel skills and unlock your inner Excel ninja. Thanks. Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, friends of failure. This is uh, Failure Guy Ben Currier here, and today I've got my guest uh, Fred Moore here. Hey, Fred, how are you? Hey, how's it going, Ben? It's pretty great. Um, so do you want to give the listeners and myself a bit of background as to what, uh, what you do? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, my name is Fred Moore. I am a speaker slash entertainer. I started 30 some odd years ago as an entertainer mostly. And then in the last 10 years or so, I've been stepping more and more into the speaking world. And especially this past uh, year or so uh, since the pandemic, Pretty much all entertainment stopped, came to a screeching halt. So I've had to pivot so hard I got whiplash hmm. and uh, jump just feet first into uh, virtual. Is it primarily public speaking that you're uh, doing with the entertainment or are you also doing like other things? What do you, what do you mean by entertainer? What, what do you classify that as? Like what genre or what? Uh... Com- comedy magic. Oh, yeah. So, so hey, all right. Think if, a little bit. if yeah. uh, let's see, let's think of David Copperfield and Jimmy Fallon had a baby, then that would be me. Um, I'd be really ugly. Uh, <laughs> and then you factor in the uh, the speaking side. So it'd be the love child of Tony Robbins, Jimmy Fallon and uh, David Copperfield. Uh, Perfect. Be this ugly dude right here. Did um, so when I was growing up, we always had this cool little magic shop in town. Well, it, I mean, they had like magic stuff, but also like weird little trinkets and, and novelty type stuff. Did you have a similar store growing up that you got all your cool stuff from? Or did you have to order it online through like the back of the magazine thing? Well, uh, I'm so old that there was no online when I first got into, into mm-hmm. magic. The magic shop that I knew of was probably a good hour and 15 minute drive away at this mall. So yeah. that was that was a, a, a trek. That was like a destination. We're going to go here and I'm going to get some stuff. Yeah, I seem to remember. So I was also pre uh, online, at least when I was growing up. I remember there was like infomercial video things you'd call with like a pack of 50 tricks or whatever. I'm trying to remember yeah. all the stuff I did back in the day to learn my little bit of magic. Never did anything with it. But if I did, I'd probably do something like you're doing because I couldn't take it seriously, of course. Or at least hard to hard to put a straight face on when you're doing magic because uh, it's so much fun. You know, it's hard to I don't know if, if you ever tried to go down the straight magic route or if you've uh danced with that idea i did i did when i first got into it my first when i was 16 that's when i decided that this is what i wanted to do for a career i wanted to be i wanted to be a magician and at that time david copperfield was the you know he was the guy yeah and he was cool and suave and debonair and i was not but i tried to be that huh? uh, i tried to be him as much as i could because that's what you you know, when you first start out, you emulate They're like, all right, I'm going to do what he's doing because it seems to be working. Uh, and then found out, of course, that that doesn't work because nobody wants to see a copy of David Copperfield. They want to see David Copperfield. Yeah. 
how long did it take you to find your own voice and like in terms of like not following along with what another magician did but kind of carving your own path uh it probably took a while because i wasn't doing it for a living at first i was making money at it but it wasn't my full-time vocation so it probably took a good 10 years before i kind of found the path that i was on yeah, and now i'm kind of repeating that too with the speaking in the last 10 years i'm finding and narrowing down my niche and who my audience is and what what my message is and who am i speaking to that sort of a thing yeah did you ever doubt or would you ever question whether or not you could even make money doing it because i know i picked accounting because i did not want to go down the the weird path of not knowing if there's a job but that was too straight of the road for me but were you like ever okay i gotta go do normal stuff or was it always something that to you because other people were doing it you could you could do it yourself well when you're, you know, when you're 16, 17, 18 years old, of course, you can do anything, anything, right? Nothing's impossible. I can, I can do whatever I want because you don't know any better. And not that you can't do that. It's just that you don't realize how hard it is at that point. Yeah. And I, I was fully invested in it. Um, other people in my family weren't, uh, <laughs> uh, if you can imagine, you know, like, what? You're going to do what? Uh, and the... Probably the worst advice I'd gotten was, all right, you should have like a career as a backup, like a real job as a mm -hmm. backup, uh, you know, train some sort of big vocation. And I knew me, if I had, if I had something to fall back on that was easier than working really, really hard to get what I wanted, which was entertaining, mm -hmm. I'd fall back on that. Because, you know, like a lot of people, I'm the path of least resistance. What's going to get me? What's going to get me money in the bank? Um, and so the job. And for a while it was. I mean, I was waiting tables at various restaurants just to make money while I was uh, working on the business. But I knew I didn't want to get any. You know, I didn't want to go and get a, a degree in something that I didn't want to be in for the rest of my life. Because you thought if you had a safety net, you'd just jump into the net. Yeah. And that's probably the worst advice you can give somebody is that yeah. like, forget it all. Just go for it. You can don't worry. <laughs> Lose your house. It'll be fine. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're saying what yeah. you did was not like advisable. I, I, going back, I probably would have done things a lot different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, if, but, so if you were going to go back and do things differently, what would you, what would you tweak a little bit? I would, now specifically for, for what I was doing, uh, entertainment, I was focused all on, all on, on the skills and getting good at my, my craft, which is important. But the other equation, the other half of show business is business. So I probably would have gone to college and taken uh, courses on small business, on marketing, on, on things like that. Mm -hmm. Because when I first got into it, it's like, all right, I have a show. How come nobody's calling me? You know, yeah, because I wasn't I wasn't marketing. I wasn't advertising. Yeah, it's not like if you build it, they will come. It's if you build it, then you've got to really convince people to come. Exactly. They'll keep convincing them, and then no one will come still for a while. If you build it, you still have to tell people about it. So yeah. Um, so can you walk us through some of the more difficult times when you were like performing for nobody in a room, or is there any really memorable? Uh, just poor performances or, or like, you know, poorly attended? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, when you first start out, I mean, you talk to any comedian and they say that 
you have to find a place that you can be bad at before you can be good. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you work all the whole the hole in the wall comedy clubs, uh, the open mic nights, the, yeah. all of that. You just go out because you need to get stage time. Yeah, you need to get your act in front of people because there are certain skills. I mean, you can learn to code, and you can be really good at that sitting at your desk with nobody watching or getting any feedback from it. But performing, you need to get it out in front of everybody audience to see if it flies or not. Yeah, uh, you can think something is funny or something's amazing to yourself, but when other people look at it, they go, "Meh, I've yeah. seen that." A good example is what you just said about coding. You can do it just fine, but then when someone's watching you type, you cannot type for the life of you because <laughs> you're then performing. <laughs> or it seems like you can never, uh, no matter what, if someone's watching, you're going slower and dumber than usual in terms of like where you're going to show people how to get stuff, or at least right. time, especially at work. And then nothing works like you think it will. And you're like, I just had this working like this. Anyways. Really? Um, so Leave the room and come back in five <laughs> minutes and this will be perfect. But yeah, you don't know until you, until you perform things. You got to like bomb or fail or just realize that it yourself is not good enough and then you know work on how to make it better but until you're actually performing up there it's all like hypothetical in your mind and oh yeah a, a, a big thing is that well nobody likes to fail right mm -hmm. and when you get on a stage and totally totally bomb it, it takes a lot of guts and nerves to get back on that stage yeah again and do it now you're going to do it for a different audience so it's not like oh this guy again but you still, you've got that in your, in your mind of what happened last time. Um, yeah. And also you're usually bearing your soul up there. At least it's a lot more putting yourself out there. So when they reject that, it's going to be hurt, hurtful. Oh, yeah. More, of course. And any, any job in show business, it's, you, you have to take it personal. Because when you, when you audition and they don't hire you, it's <laughs> not like, well, you don't have the qualifications. No, it's like, we don't like you. Yeah. It's you we don't like. And when they so. started out liking you more, then they like you less at the end. <laughs> Yeah. That's always a good one. Yeah, oh, yeah. You're um, really great until you start talking. And then we yeah, can. on paper, this was great. Um, yeah. So can you, you were explaining a little bit earlier. Can you explain to me what some of the cool stuff is behind you? Uh, yeah, well, I've got a whole bunch of business books. Uh, it's funny, I, I've got a, probably about half of these are business books, and half of these are biographies from comedians mm -hmm. or, or cartoonists or even some graphic novels and all that. Can you pick and, a couple of favorites to suggest? Because uh, I like both those categories and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, a great, great book, <laughs> besides my book. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, do much more. Do so much more.com. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, is. That was do so much more.com, right? Uh, do so much more. Is, is, I just want to make sure you didn't pass over. Or like people got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is a book by Stephen Pressfield called The. War of Art, not the Art of War by Sun Tzu. Mm -hmm. The War of Art. It's the War of, of Art. Yeah. And it deals with uh, those nagging little voices in your head of resistance. Mm -hmm. When you're trying to do something maybe that's outside of the norm or something that's different for you. Uh, he talks about just getting past those voices and, and they're trying to keep you safe because change is bad, but... Mm -hmm. They're not letting you grow. Um, great, great, yeah. great books. It's interesting because when you think about, or when a lot of people think of entertainers or creators or people like that, they don't think, or at least I found people don't think that every single one of them deals with self-doubt and stuff. You know, a lot of times it can be easy to convince yourself that they're all confident and know what they're doing, but absolutely all of them struggle with 
doing this whole thing, you know, putting themselves out there in any, really any kind of way. It's it doesn't really come naturally for that many people. I'm sure people could do it, but um, I'd say most 99% of the people you see on anywhere are going to be struggling with self-worth issues and stuff like that. So um, how, how do you think you've dealt with some of that stuff over, over that, you know, long career? Um, it, it's funny. I, I'll go through cycles in, in my career where I'll be like, I'm like, ah, I'm, I don't think I'm that good at what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'll have those self doubt and, the you know, imposter syndrome when yeah. you're you're you know you're doing something amazing and getting paid for it and you're you're afraid that someone's going to find you out like no you you shouldn't be here yeah. uh so i'll get that and then i'll go into the highs where it's like all right i'm i'm i'm, I'm pretty good i'm i'm doing all right look at me i'm i'm hot stuff <laughs> and what i'll do to ground myself is i'll go back and look at an old video from, <laughs> five or 10 years ago of what I was doing yeah. and just crawl under my desk and be like, okay, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not that good, man. Cause yeah. that was me five years ago. And I the creative stuff is a lot better when you're in the not full of yourself version of, you know, cause then the art is much more uh, intentional and well-informed and less braggadocious. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Like, uh, you know, year and a half ago, I was cruising right along and, you know, doing shows, doing speeches, everything was going fine. And then the pandemic happened. And mm. now I need to change everything I'm doing. Yeah. All the stuff was working, but now it doesn't work. So now I need to pivot and try other things. So. From a magician's perspective, the transition to Zoom must be both easy and difficult because now you have one vantage point, right? Mm -hmm. but, yeah. but that can be more tough if you needed to be a broader thing. What, what are the bigger struggles from transitioning? Uh, the, the number one was just tech, dialing in all the tech mm -hmm. and figuring it out. But that's, you know, that, that was easy enough to figure out, especially once everybody started going that way. So there was yeah. a lot more resources. Are you big into technology it. and what's up, keeping what's up? Uh, I'm big on what works for me. Okay. You know, once I get something dialed in, it's like, all right, I'm not looking for the, you know, the, the next shiniest, you know, yeah. better version of that. As long as it's working, I'm fine. Now, yeah. if it's something that's, you know, far superior to what I'm using and does more, absolutely, I'll jump on it. Yeah, I think I read yesterday George R. R. Martin is still using like the oldest version of like WordPad or something. I don't know. He's That's what he's still writing on because I guess it works for him and he doesn't need to upgrade but i think it's funny when people yeah you find what works and sometimes it can be tough to want to change it because you then you have to learn a bunch of stuff i love yeah. getting new technology and learning new things but it can be a lot and uh, i know a lot of people don't like to keep up with it but um is there something um is there some specific failure you've had during your zoom time that uh that'd be worth recounting as you, as you got more familiar with the you know how that works uh oh yeah yeah, when I first started doing, I started doing a lot of Facebook Lives, and I, I didn't have a, a huge following, which was fine, because the reason I was doing the Facebook Lives was to fail, mm -hmm. to see what was going to go wrong and what wasn't going to go wrong. So if I had 15, 20 people watching the Facebook Live while I was doing it live, eh, it wasn't that big of a deal to screw up something or, or, or fail, because I, I could always delete the video later. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and do it again but yeah i was probably about 20 minutes 15 20 minutes into a facebook live and i was just i have everything was clicking 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 and i looked down and i had my at that point i had my phone set up 
to where the Facebook Live was scrolling there and I could mm -hmm. see the comments. And somebody was commenting, this is, we can't hear you. <laughs> My microphone wasn't working for 15 mm -hmm. minutes. Nice. I've done <laughs> so the same thing like, with uh, uh, where the camera's facing the wrong direction. So they're like looking at a wall or something. Yeah. Like, it's so stupid. <laughs> yeah. You learn from it, right? You're yeah. like, oh, okay. Okay. Well, so like, for example, you, it's a great point because I do these uh, podcast interviews live. And then I had to start making my own separate live or separate like individual podcasts that I haven't even released anything of just to mess around with like what kind of microphones are like good enough quality. I don't want to like, I always shoot for the moon on, on this. I used to, I've gotten better now that I've done that little playground version where I can mess things up. And I've even done like, you know, every, every type of video, like a telegram video, Snapchat, like all the ones to see, like, what's the quality difference and how much should I give a shit about what it look, comes out like? Cause a lot of times I'll be over perfectionist about like the audio quality, but then I'll take so much time with that, that I don't get any good content out of it. You no, know, cause I'm like setting up shit and I could have been researching the person or whatever. So like right, trying right. to find that right balance of like setup and, uh, and execution is always uh, tough. So I think your, your point about playing around and like, you know, messing around with uh, some of these things with low stakes kind of options is a, is a great way to do it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I equate it to it's, you know, it's the comedian's uh, version of going out to the open mic night yeah. and trying out new material because the, you know, there's not that much of a, a, you don't have that much skin in the game as it were. Mm -hmm. Have you ever gone down the straight stand up route? Uh, I tried to do stand up once or twice and it's like, I'm, I'm probably now at this point, if I push it, I, I could do it, but it's so hard to get a good 10 minutes of mm -hmm. material. Yeah. Uh, whereas with what I've been doing with the magic, there's situations and things that need yeah. to, and there's funny moments all throughout it, but it's not, I'm writing a joke about this. I'm writing a yeah. joke about that. It's, it's more situational comedy. Yeah. Do you find, so like I teach uh, Microsoft Excel and so like, Super boring, meaning there's a low bar of anticipation for comedy. So, meaning it's much easier to make people laugh if you're in a work meeting or whatever. I imagine with the magic, you get a similar kind of a bump because, you know, you're doing something else and it's funny. So, like, meaning it's the combination of two things. So, they're not just fully judging on how funny you are, which is like the stand up comedy thing is like only that. Yeah. Um, so, I can imagine when you did that, it's kind of like more of a stressful version of uh, what you're already doing yeah yeah i think the most pressure i felt was i was doing a doing a gig and it was it was a corporate event i was doing and they introduced me as a comedian and it's like okay if you introduce me as a magician and i do a little bit of magic and a lot of comedy that's fine but I, i'm more of a magician yeah that does is funny i'm not a comedian because yeah. you have a different expectation when you're a comedian, you know, guy with a microphone telling jokes. Where are you from? You know, yeah. uh, whereas a magician, again, a different different perspective. So that was it was a tough sell for me for the first 10 minutes until yeah. I realized, oh, OK, OK, this guy's not really a comedian. He's a magician. Yeah. And Setting expectations is important for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I don't know if you've seen on uh, the prior episodes that uh, being on this podcast, you get a um I don't know if you want to call it an item, but sure, an item. Um, a get out of fail free card, yep. which you can use to see. Now, I would usually pursue comedy or something, but I, since you are doing that, I imagine you're going to use it to do something else, and I don't know what that would be. But is yeah. there something uh, you'd want to use that card for? 
I, I had to think about it because I was listening to some of the earlier episodes and it's like, hmm, you know, because most people would be like, you know, oh, you know, I could never get on a stage and speak or, yeah. or do comedy or anything like that. And me, I'm like, ah, bring it. I don't care. You know? mm -hmm. uh, so I was thinking, it's like, hmm. You know? And it was interesting because it's like, you know, get out of fail free, right? So yeah. I can do this thing and not fail at it. And it immediately it popped into my mind. Well, two things. Superhero would be one, you know. Mm, yep. But actually, the first thing that popped into my mind was uh, astronaut. Okay, there you go. See, that's perfect. I, didn't, I never would have thought of that. But yeah, I would like, love it because I would do it, but I hate flying. So, like, I, I can't imagine going to space. But if there was no failing, I imagine that means no structural failures and other kind of rocket. Right. That means no crashing. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that's a good That's thing. a good yeah. choice, then. Um, yeah. cause it seems like you're a sci-fi guy. You were saying those are from lost in space, right? Behind you? Uh, or is it the same director? Different. It, it's same, uh, same guy that did the original lost in space TV series, uh, yeah. produced, uh, several different shows. One is uh, land of the giants and one is uh, voyage to the bottom of the sea. And there are two models mm -hmm. uh, from, from those shows. Very cool. Hey, have you ever seen the movie? Yo Jimbo. It's an old Jimbo. Japanese one about, it's like a, samurai thing i don't know i, I gotta so, watch no. it i just didn't know if you've seen it because it's uh it's i'm doing like a i don't know if you know who seth godin is and yeah oh yeah the akimbo podcast mm -hmm. um, but i'm doing a joke episode with yo jimbo as a uh homage to him thing but i haven't seen the movie so i just was selfishly asking if you've seen it so i could find out oh, okay <laughs> I gotta watch so it. you don't have to see it right yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so i can get the cliff notes um from you uh and what are those awards on there i imagine there's some sort of uh speaking awards uh, those are actually from Toastmasters. Oh, cool. I've done that uh, a couple times. Yeah. It, it's interesting because my perception of Toastmasters at the time before I joined was that people go to Toastmasters to get over their fear of speaking in public. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine who was not a performer, but she went to Toastmasters and I, I knew her pretty well. I asked her, I says, would I get anything? She was like, yeah, I think you would. I was like, okay. And I didn't have a fear speaking in public but mm -hmm. toastmasters did teach me how to structure yeah speech. it's good like that i mean and the, and the big thing the most awesome thing i got out of it was that there's somebody actually there at the meeting that counts how many times you say um ah uh, and use these filler words yeah that and i didn't realize how much i'd use them until i started going to toastmasters and that's cleaned yeah. up my my, my speech hey. You can almost have like a blind spot when when you're only performing and only viewing it yourself from the especially without you're not watching a video or anything you're just remembering it. Uh, yeah. You can definitely almost black out when it comes to like remembering specific details because you're so focused on the whatever whatever things you got to remember. <clears throat> I know that the more I've done stuff, the more I can be in the moment and like there. But other in the when I first started doing anything like public speaking or whatever. Um, I was just hyper aware of that everything I'm doing is like something that's going to be seen later or whatever later that I couldn't do the thing in the like I couldn't be a human in the normal sense because I'm too busy evaluating how I'm acting or whatever you know right really yeah weird perspective so the more you can just do any of it the and the more comfortable you're just in front of a camera or whatever uh the more you can let your natural self to you know, show through but it can be tough if you're not practicing you're gonna struggle to get there and then like like you're saying with toastmasters it's great to have people it's seen it almost sounds annoying to have someone counting that but it's actually amazing uh i mean to people who haven't seen it because you know 
this is the kind of feedback you need and it's hard to get from just re regular people because they don't yeah. want to make you feel bad. Exactly. Exactly. But I think in that in that setting it's uh everyone knows they're trying to get better at it so it's kind of a uh, yeah, and it's usually a, a pretty safe environment to to fail. Yeah, that's what everyone's there for. Is and it's encouraging to get too. It's like they want you to do good. It's just they want to also tell you how you can do good more easily. And no one acts like they know more than anyone else. It's just more like, you know, just whatever you happen to notice kind of stuff. Because I'm good at giving advice. I'm terrible at taking my own advice. You know, if I could give myself advice and take it, that'd be cool. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But. But you don't want to listen to yourself. What do you know, right? Yeah. Or how fun is that? You know? Yeah. You got to not listen to somebody. Um, so before we get uh, going on to like any kind of future looking stuff, is there anything specific related to failure that you want to touch on before we talk about what's to come? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, failure is an interesting concept to me because it's August 24th, 1994 was the last day that I failed. And that doesn't mean that I've done absolutely everything I've wanted to do in life and in business mm -hmm. and everything has been a hundred success. But that's when I, I discovered, I had an epiphany that as long as I get a result, I haven't failed. Mm -hmm. Because most people in the world will try something once and that's it. Maybe twice or three times. Three times is pushing it before <laughs> they just give up and go, all right, well, I'm not trying that again. That's for sure. And which is a ridiculous concept because the important thing is you try and try and try. Yeah. Uh, Tony Robbins, the godfather of motivational speakers mm -hmm. out there, uh, has a, a great analogy where how many chances do you get? Do you give a baby? How many times do you let them try to walk before you say, all right, that's it. No, nope, you can't do it. Forget it. Right. Yeah. You don't limit them. You just they keep on trying until they learn how to walk. Two or three times. I mean, you're, it's a crapshoot of what kind of results you're going to get just based on randomness, you know? Oh, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So that's when I figured it's like, all right, as long as I'm getting a result and I'm looking at that result and using that result, the feedback, the information I get from that to change the actions I'm taking, then I'm never going to fail. Yeah. And I think that's what it is, is changing the goal to be doing and learning rather than right. how it performs or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Somebody brought up that thing from uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yoda, do or do not, there is no try. Mm -hmm. Well, there is try. You know, they, they, they don't try because they don't want to fail. Yeah. And it's like, no, the more times you fail, the more t the closer you are going to be to your goal. So. Yeah. And if you can fail at it, if, you, if you're allowed to and able to and doesn't hurt anyone, why not? get used to what that's like because you're going to feel it in the real version you know at some point right. so yeah. might as well you know get comfortable with it a, a little bit yeah I, I like your caveat you know as long as nobody gets hurt right you know well yeah. i tried skydiving and uh you know <laughs> that failed so i'm not going to try it again. well yeah yeah maybe you shouldn't try that again but. yeah or you know I'm going to go fail at money stuff. So I'm going to take my wife with me. You know, it's not a great, yeah, really. great idea. Um, but, but yeah, if you're, if you're doing it in a safe environment, kind of give yourself like uh, whatever elbow pads and whatnot in life to make sure yeah. that, you know, you can't uh, mess it up too bad. Um, it's a good way to go. Now, what, what do you think is going to be the next big thing you're going to fail at? And uh, what I mean is just the next thing you're going to embark on that you haven't done much of that you're going to mess up until you figure it out a bit. Oh, that's a that's a great question. Um, Sounds like Zoom was the most recent one, or like a online pivoting. Online pivoting, yeah, yeah. And I'm still 
still failing at that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not getting the success as far as the uh, the bookings and things that I want. Yeah, uh, that I wanted to this at, at this point. But that's all changing. I mean, we're mm -hmm. we're pivoting back, but it's still going to be the virtual world. I think is here to stay. Yeah, because uh, it's just so much easier. And people already set it up. They're yeah. Good. <laughs> It's already in place. It's already, you know, so that that's that's getting easier. Yeah, uh, I think probably finding my tribe, mm -hmm. finding my niche, finding the the people that I I want to help or that need my help. Yeah, is probably you, my my biggest failure at this moment. Yeah. What um, what ideas do you have around that? Or at least I don't know either. But I'm I I imagine people who like doing things over and over and messing them up. Is mm -hmm. part of it. Uh, who are you think you're going for in terms of the kind of person you'd want to, you know, reach? Entrepreneurs and IT folk, okay. because that's I've done the most work in, in both of those industries, and I'm an entrepreneur as well. As well, so knowing how to work with the time I have allotted and get the most out of it is important, mm -hmm. not just to me, but to every entrepreneur out there. Yeah. So, and that's what I've been teaching for the last couple of years: is how to how people can get the most out of their day, how they can get the most out of an hour or a week or a month, mm -hmm. and save time, and either use that save time to get more work done, or use that save time to go play and have fun. Yeah, be less stressed. Be I say keep the time you save, and like don't tell your work that it takes you half the time, and just go mess around for a bit with the other half of the time. Because they're not going to pay you more. They're not going to ask for less. They're going to keep asking for more. They'll jam up your time. So, And it's funny because a lot of people are working from home now. So there's there's a bunch of things people yeah. can do while they're working from home to, to save time, to cut down, and, and get the most out of their day. So are you going to go down the productivity path? It sounds like you're kind of more of a... Oh, yeah. 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 That's yeah. what uh, the, the website do so much more is about being more productive and using your time better. Is it primarily... Um, with these Zooms and online things is primarily productivity focused or are you doing magic in those presentations as well? Or are you just doing, what are, what are you doing nowadays for the public speaking stuff? Yeah, it's focused on the productivity, but there's also always going to be some sort of element of magic and comedy. The magic is great because I can use it to wake people up, get them focused on on the message, get them paying attention because most people sit there for Zoom calls and like, ah, nah, nah. Just mm -hmm. you know, a talking head or another PowerPoint presentation, yeah. uh, where if something interesting and unique is happening in front of them, they're going to tend to pay more attention. And then I can also use the effect as a metaphor for something, cutting your time in half and restoring a rope. That's okay. Yeah. Do you, have you come up with any fun like um, acronyms or anything in your? Because uh, I think it's fun when I'm coming up with training to like figure out how do I make this a thing rather than mm -hmm. nothing in terms of a teaching, you know, lesson structure right. and all that stuff. Have you had any fun things that you've come up about just through your, you know, your trainings and stuff where you've got like a five step system to whatever the hell, is there anything like that that you've gotten to yet or you've got like uh, a, little things? Yeah, actually, uh, in, in the book, do so much more. I talk about a game plan, which is an acronym for a goal, action, motivation, and evaluation. And that's about setting a goal so that it's achievable and obtainable and trackable and that has a base of motivation behind it so that it is something you will pursue. Yeah, I think that's good because a lot of times part of the problem with goal setting is like them being actionable and able to be 
we'll make progress on and track any of that progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's good. Before we get to uh, just where can people find you, um, I just want to make sure if there's anything specifically related to the subject or anything that you haven't gotten to touch on related to failure that you want to mention, because uh, I never know where people have had the most failure. I don't know if it's p- primarily business or personal life, but I'm always happy to hear whatever people would like to share. Um, and I know you've probably dealt with a lot more failure than most. Um, is there anything else that jumps out in your mind as you're recollecting what you'd hope to talk about of uh, any prior failures or big mess ups that are worth worth uh, delving into even just a little bit? Uh, well, I think mostly it's about, you know, the old saying, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Mm-hmm. And that's what we teach our kids. But as adults, if if at first you don't succeed, quit. Yeah, you shouldn't that's have it. tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you, crazy? You know, or if you do try it again, don't let anybody know yeah. that you're trying this. Uh, the best thing I think you can do is publicly announce, like, this yeah. is what I'm going for. Yeah, I want you to, you know, I want people to hold me accountable, especially well, there's, a, oh, this is, lo- you're going to love this. Do it. There's always that one person at the office, that negative person, you know, mm-hmm. the one's like, eh, this will never work. Oh, you can't do that. And if you don't know who that person is at your office, it's it's probably you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, I'm not judging here, but tell that person what your your goal is, what you're going for. You know, like maybe mm-hmm. it's a weight loss goal. I want to lose 20 pounds by, you know, in two months uh, because they're going to circle back on you because they they love, they relish coming up to people and going, hey, did remember you? that thing you said you were going to do? Uh, did you do it? Oh, you didn't. You failed. Huh? Huh? Imagine that. Yeah. Uh, so you've got that accountability. You've got that pressure now. Yeah. That, you know, he's like, ah, oh, right. If I don't get this done, I'm going to have to hear it from this person. And they're mm-hmm. going to be like, ah. And so then you can relish the moment when they do come around. You're like, hey, did you lose those 10 pounds? And you're like, <laughs> no, I lost 12. <laughs> yeah. And they don't have a follow-up usually besides, you know, that's good or whatever. Like they're hoping you didn't you didn't get it usually. And no, what I thought was cool is the, the, what you're saying about putting it out there and stuff. Um, so my license plate says failure. And now, in order to not care what people think, you really got to not care what people think. There's no trick to not caring besides caring less. But like when I have people drive up next to me and I realize they're going to be judging me and looking at me for what my license plate says. Now I don't even think about it anymore because there's so many times I've been like, Oh, here comes someone going to look at me. And then after you do that forever, every yeah. time someone drives by and then you don't care because I just can't care anymore. Cause I already thought about it so many times now I'm on, whatever drumming on the thing and not caring what anyone thinks because, right. and I think putting that out there and putting, putting yourself in a place where you are being judged more, and being yourself more is always good in terms of making you feel more comfortable in that space. Yeah. There was a great quote I, I heard a couple of months ago, and it's an old, it's from Ann Landers, who was an advice columnist back yeah. in the 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever. And it said, you, you go through periods in your life, like in your 20s and your 30s, you're worried about what everyone thinks about you. And then when you're in your like 40s and 50s, then you're at the mindset was, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. And then when you're in your 60s or so, you realize nobody was thinking about me at all. <laughs> yeah. They were thinking about themselves, you know, what's yep. going on in their head. And it's just your, you know, you think, oh, people are judging. No, yep. they're probably not. Absolutely. And then what, I just, what I just said fits in perfectly because most of the time people don't even notice my license plate. So I'm just putting it all on them 
and they haven't even I'm, I'm already thinking they already saw the website and they've never even read they didn't even look at it because they're spacing out and doing some other thing with their life because obviously that's the most important thing because they're living their life but it's exactly. easy to trick yourself into thinking that everyone's reliving that embarrassing moment that you had yeah. even this morning people forgot about it you know like yeah it's a uh, but the people who are the most stressed about that tend to forget that that's a thing you know? yeah and it can be a helpful reminder that no one cares really i mean they barely care enough about their own stuff or they're trying to figure out how to care about their own thing they yeah, probably don't focus on do, them and if, if they do it's for like a half a second and then they move on you know exactly. so there's no point in worrying about it um at least uh so where where can people go to see what you're working on these days and find you in the best way possible well uh you can go to do so much more.com uh spelled just like it sounds do so much more.com uh once you're there there's going to be a little uh Sign up right in the middle of the page that just uh, put your name, your email address, and I'll send you a little PDF. It's two-page PDF. It's nine things you can do to get six hours back in your week. Six hours that, again, you can use for whatever you want. Yeah. Please don't use it for any evil purposes. <laughs> Only use it for good. That's the superhero in me coming up. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they can check that out there. Plus, you can find me on YouTube, uh, Fred on YouTube. Dot com or Fred on Facebook.com. I was smart enough to buy both those domain names. And those redirect to my Facebook and then my YouTube channel. I love that. How many domains do you have? Because I have a ton of them. Oh, that's that's my one of my I have a, I have a domain problem. Probably fifty or sixty. Oh, I'm about to my say my wife's like it's like, did you get another one? I said, yeah, I did. It's just a funny idea. It's real estate basically. It's nice. Yeah. And it's usually if it's an idea I have for a name or something, I'll buy it. I, I don't yeah. even have the thing made or are out there, but it's like I gotta buy the domain because if I don't, it'll be gone. We should do a follow-up episode where we each pick uh, ten or twenty domains and we just go through pitching what we think the idea would be, and then the other person give their idea of what it should be. There you go. There you go. If you That'd be another time. episode. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you taking the time and uh, and sharing everything with us. I hope you uh, you know keep saving people time and figuring out how to word your training in the best way possible so that it gets through to people because that's the toughest part usually oh yeah, oh, yeah. when you get a good idea and you want to share it for sure um and uh and yeah i wish you all the success and and hopefully limit the amount of failures but not too much because like we said we like that type of stuff <laughs> exactly exactly thank you ben it's been a pleasure thanks for joining me on the failure guy podcast if you enjoyed it feel free to tell somebody and don't forget Always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time. Would you like to be more efficient, productive, and confident in your work at the office? Over 750 million people worldwide use Excel, yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool. That's why I created Excel Exposure, so you can work smarter and not harder. The Excel Essentials course gives you over 5 hours of in-depth video lessons, plus it comes along with my master workbook which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of 6 best online Excel classes of 2021, saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team how to avoid spreadsheet failures and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. 
Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training.